Hi, and welcome to season three of the Dare to Believe podcast. I'm Christy Grainer. And I'm Rebecca Rivnick. Can you believe we're in season three, Rebecca? Yes. You can. Only because I've had some time to think about yeah, it. Yeah, and you've been editing all the podcasts, <laughs> so you true. know. That's true. But we're glad you're here, and we do want to challenge you to dare to believe God for greater things in this season of your life. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, Christy. We want to say welcome to everyone to the Dare to Believe podcast, and we are so excited because we are here with two of our good, good friends, Mr. and Mr. Russell. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so we're here with Drew and John Russell. How are you guys? Wonderful. Doing great. Yeah. We're, we're bringing you in because tonight you're doing a worship time at Dare to Believe, and we want to talk about that, um, and this will, be, this will be aired after the worship time, but you'll be able to see it on YouTube. But also we want to talk to you guys because you are doing what everybody, a lot of people, I shouldn't say everybody, but there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are giving all these theories and talking about how to try to do generational ministry. It's hard. Right. It's really hard. And so passing on to the next generation, what you've carried and how to, to do this well, um, is something people are really trying to figure out. Well, here you sit father and son, and you're doing generational <laughs> ministry, and you didn't really set out to do it that way, right? I don't think so. Here yeah. we are, Drew, side by side. Mr. and Mr. <laughs> Russell. Mr. and Mr. Russell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember years ago when Drew was at, at Bethel School of Ministry with Rebecca. That's right. Yeah, so like what year I, years was that? Uh, early 2011 20 to 20, 20, yeah, 2011 yeah. was first year, 2011, 12, 12, 13. 12, 13. You were one of our, our school worship leaders. Yep. That was, was great. Yeah. yeah. So I, during that time, there was a conference in Minnesota, and Eric Johnson actually came out as the main speaker for this conference. Drew was in California. I was here for the conference, and I remember asking Eric at Q&A time, I can't remember exactly the question, but it was about doing ministry with your dad, with your dad. Mm. Yeah. you know and if there was any advice that he would give and you know basically it was just let him be himself and support him as best you can you know pretty a broad advice but yeah you know as it turns out it's and really the best approach know. just let him be himself <laughs> and, <laughs> and what were you gonna say drew oh. Oh, I, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say anything, but um, yeah, I think that's. I was gonna say the same thing. Like, um, I think a lot of times, um, as a younger, as the son or whatever, you can try to be like, well, you know, that's that's just what you know old people do, or old, the older generation they just are kind of stuck in their ways and and um, and not and not really like I guess honoring them for what they carry. I guess. Mm -hmm. I think that's like one of the key biggest things for me is um, working with my dad. It's like that's that's one thing I actually really lo love about my dad is that, um, in ministry he's always adapting, always changing. He's not getting stuck. He's always learning, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's uh, um, working. So old dogs can have new tricks. <laughs> they they Come can. Come on, that's good yeah. news. But I mean, I think this is part of the relationship, though. A lot of those new things that I'm learning, I'm Are learning from Drew. from Drew. Isn't that cool? And so, so what, what that is is humility. Exactly. Well, That's I, exactly I think what I thought. In this whole process of learning to work together, you do kind of have to stay teachable. 
and not be the expert. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I feel like is the moment you put yourself in the position of being the expert, I, you're kind of done learning. And, well, and you need <laughs> yeah. to be secure yeah. that God's got a place for you. That's right. It, you're not trying to prove it. You right. just have it. You mm-hmm. want. And so if, you, if people who don't know you, you haven't inter- really introduced you except the Mr. Russells. But <laughs> so tell people what you do and where you do it and how, what life looks like for you. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. So um, I'm the worship leader at um, Hosanna Shakopee, and i um, been doing that for two years. So yep. and this is in Shakopee, Minnesota. Shakopee, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Shakopee, Minnesota. And... Um, yeah, I've been I've been at that campus, uh, Hosanna campus, for two years. My first Sunday there was on Easter, so really? yeah, wow. getting thrown right into the yeah you did the the fire right away, go which was a little bit of a home. shock. Yeah, a little bit of a shock for me. I was like, wow, there's a and there's a lot going on here. Waiting for a long time, but yeah, this is yeah, yeah. But yeah. yep, that's so that's currently where I'm I'm doing ministry at. And then uh, before that, I was at a church up in Plymouth, Minnesota, called Plymouth Covenant Church. And I was there for five years, almost five years, which is crazy. And, um, but yeah, and then I was at the school ministry for two years with Rebecca. And that was um, probably the most transformational two years of my life, you could say. Um, So yeah, grew up here in Minnesota. Well, speak to that a little bit, Drew. What was the transformation? Oh, I think, um, so up to, prior up to that point, I I knew I wanted to do ministry. Um, I think I really, I guess I really got on fire for Jesus my senior year of high school. And um, um, I went on a mission trip to Haiti where... If anybody's been to Haiti, it's very, uh, very spiritual place. Um, I went there and not always good spiritual place. No, uh, very, very light and dark. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, yeah. if you want to go someplace where there's very contrasting um, light and dark, that's and a good place to go. Realm is, yeah, is in your face. In your yeah. face. There's yeah. no getting around it. Nope, no getting around it. Very spiritual people, and um, went there, experienced signs, wonders, miracles, and. Um, Got to see deliverance uh, uh, from demons and um, people getting healed miraculously, and I was like, "Wow, what's going on?" You know, like I'd, I've never, really, I didn't really experience too much of that prior to that point in my life, and um, realized that um, I wanted to do this because I, I saw the authority that I carried, and. Uh, as being a believer and it was it was Isn't an, good oh. I mean, yeah once you it's like oh yeah it's like a it's like oh that's that's what this is about <laughs> wow <laughs> you know it's you know up to that's like it's man real. just be a yeah. you know follow the toe the line you know yeah. and then when you actually like experience like oh i'm here to change the world hmm crazy and the world and actually it, changes i yeah. know yeah. yeah and um yeah, it's not just an, a concept. It's it's a reality that we live live in. And um, so came back came back to Minnesota, super on fire. You met your beautiful wife Emily out in California. I did. Yep. Yeah. So and then uh, went to school, went to college for a couple of years, and then then so I was like, go to college? I went to Normandale for a couple of years. Ah, mm-hmm. cool. Took some music classes, learned that side of it. So 
you just really are a chip off the old block. Yeah, it's crazy. Classes, music in college. Yeah, mm-hmm. I decided to, and in those two years, I um, I started getting involved with House of Prayer people down in the University of Minnesota, and I think those those first two years as a as a worship leader, I really learned um, how to be, how to, I guess, be authentic in the best. I don't know how how to describe that. I I learned what it meant to be. be Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'd I'd go and do worship sessions down at the University of Minnesota, which I didn't go to school there. And I do worship sessions at like midnight to 2 a.m., you know, every Tuesday. Not a huge audience probably. No, like one, maybe one, two people there. So learning how to um, move in the spirit and and, um, also learning how to discern in the spirit, especially at that time of night when there's not a lot going on, you know, uh, you get to really feel things and be... um, intercede over over a, a campus or intercede over a state or intercede over a, a church um when i don't think a lot of people are you know mm-hmm. it's it's kind of cool um but uh learning learning to do that and 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 leading not in front of people mm, yeah huge um as a worship leader that's so it totally if i the performance <laughs> component totally. yes that's really cool yeah i think you know if i was going to say anything to young worship leaders out there if you don't have that season in your life where you're not leading in front of people but you are leading i think like you need to have that you can get your identity wrapped up in performance real quick if you don't have that foundation of being hidden mm. Because what you do becomes your identity. That's really good. So, and I, going on to school and ministry, the most transformational years of my life, that first year of school ministry, it felt like I was completely hidden from everybody. And it needed to happen because um, I, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being a worship leader. Um, because that can be really that can be really easy. And I, if I didn't have that year where I was like, I didn't lead worship pretty much all year. I led worship for a women's Bible study at Country Christian Church in Reading. That's and it great. was my my um, future wife's mom's women's group. <laughs> That's amazing. At the time, probably reason. your girlfriend, huh? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And we led together there. And it was... So again, that's humility because you're going to Bethel and you're a worship leader. And sure. I'm sure in your heart, it's like, I'm good. now I get to be and up And that was the and... only opportunity that I had. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll do that. That's fun. You know? And to say yes to that. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, you know, those are like the small things that you need to do to steward the gift that God has given you. And that propels you into more promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't take those opportunities, you're not going to get the authority later in life that I think you need to really um, lead people and and understand the presence and understand the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, That's really what else did you learn in Reading, Drew, for two years? How to fly fish. That's right. <laughs> Tell Did you, you what. Did you go out there and fly fish too? Oh, you bet. Yeah, I remember yeah. seeing pictures on Facebook of this enormous fish that yeah. he was holding. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I fly fished every day almost in Reading. 
It's a wonder you graduated. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks it for was, hunkering down and doing your reading. It was, um, it was like, get done with class, go straight to the river. It was pretty awesome. So hard, hard to not do that. But. And for our listeners, John, we, we interviewed John a while ago, and, and we'll, we'll link that podcast to this podcast. I mean, the show so notes. John's story, we kind of know how you became a worship leader. Yeah. But I wonder what it was like for you after how, you know decades of performing and then worship leading mm-hmm. after that to watch your son start to walk out his calling. What did that feel like as a father? Well, I don't think you can anticipate how amazing that feels, but it was it is really quite an amazing thing. And I have people come up to me all the time and go, you just must be so proud of your son. And I go, you bet I am. That's an he's understatement, a, he's right? A good, he's a good boy. And uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing like that. And I think the thing for me, which is the, one of the most gratifying things about that, is I didn't push him. Hmm. He just, it came from him. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, and so isn't that what we want for our sons and daughters that whatever they're called to do, that they would be loved and secure and get to know them, their own calling, however that ends up being. We want, we want to love and support them in that. That's absolutely right, yes. Yeah. And, and when you're describing um, having to go do that in kind of a private place, I mean, your dad was pretty high profile as a worship leader around you know the metro area in the Twin Cities. So to be John Russell's son and to be willing to go and just with no audience worship yep. it, and make it be your own. I think that's what everybody has to do that at some point um, to separate from your family of origin enough to mm. learn who you are without separating from them. And that's a challenging mm-hmm. dynamic. Absolutely. I think I, um, as a worship leader, um, I think I grew the most actually when I wasn't leading with my dad too, you know, cause I, like you said, I had to figure out who I was outside of being John Russell's son, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which it is easy for you to, you know, as a son to be John Russell's son, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but that's a, yeah, that was a process that I had to go through too. You know, it's like, oh, I, I don't identify with my parents' faith or who they are. You know, I have to identify as myself. It has to become your own. It has to become your own. And uh, I think, I I mean, a lot of my friends that I grew up with um, who never really took that, because I went to a small Christian school who who never really took that next step in their faith are the ones that identified with their parents. Mm. You know. And so that, and it's come full circle. Now you're kind of, you're on stage a lot with your dad. You're leading worship with a lot with your dad. Not always. And you do your own yep. thing. He does his own thing. But totally. you guys are quite a bit together. Yep. But you had to go through that process in order for this to work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I still, I think it's pretty interesting, too, that you came back from Bethel where you had uh, a lot of, you, you had so two years at Bethel. The mm-hmm. first year you are leading yep. worship at a women's Bible study. It can't be a very large setting. No. Uh, <laughs> Maybe an acoustic setup, you know, just yep. not all the lights and the Bethel music. Yeah. And the second year, you were leading for school, so that's 900 or something like that, 1,000 yep. students. So much, much bigger, more pr- high-profile opportunity. Yeah. And then you come back to Minnesota, and you're not immediately in a big mega church <laughs> with your dad. I actually think no. that's an important season, too, to establish yourself outside of Bethel in the, the training season as to, okay, I can do this. But you still got to do it kind of independently mm-hmm. and learn learn your footing a little bit 
in the same same region, same same state where people would know who your dad is. Sure. I think that's kind and of you guys did overlap thing. there a little bit too. We did. Church. No, that's right. We did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, I think the toughest part for me in that season too was is uh, coming from Bethel, where it was like just you know it's a bonfire, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you're just, you know, especially leading for, I think leading for school ministry too is a whole yeah. nother thing too. Yeah. Hungry people. Oh man, super hungry. You don't yeah. even, you can just strum a, strum a G chord and, you know, people <laughs> are worried, <laughs> off they go, you know, pretty easy, <laughs> pretty easy. You don't have to, you know, you don't have you to know. be a great worship leader. No, to if you l- strum a G chord, it better be in tune. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's I pretty easy. You, hearing your dad share and i haven't heard you talk about this but there's one time when danny silk was there and you were leading worship and the glory cloud showed up Can yeah you tell um, us about that yeah it was i think the second year I, I don't danny so i don't know if it was with danny silk or not uh but we were we were leading worship and it was kind of during that season too of it was just kind of the glory cloud was just showing up all the time like every every service it was showing up it's just like when when it was going to that was like the i remember i think eric johnson was preaching one time and it just like showed up when he talked he was just start talking about it a little bit you know and then it's just like showed up and you're like it was just like the most i don't know if you were that you were there for it and it was just radical and it was like <laughs> so what did you think the first time you saw the glory cloud i mean you grew up a good lutheran boy we, there wasn't a lot of glory clouds showing not up a lot of glory clouds showing up at the at yep, the Lutheran Church. Yes, there will be. Come on. Yep. Uh, first, well, I, I mean, when I was there for, I went to like a school of worship when I was 18. It was like the first time I went to Bethel. And that's actually the first time I met my wife too. We were there. She was 16, <laughs> which is cool. But yeah, you know, uh, I was 18. But um, yeah, I heard about them, you know, because like at Bethel, it's just like, you know, matter of fact, matter of fact, you know, there's glory clouds. And so what, what did you think when you heard about it? Did I was like, that's a little weird. I was like, no, yeah. You know, getting into that environment for the first time, you're, you're always like, I want to see it. You know, yeah. I, for me, that's always been my personality. It's, it's never been like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a very, um, skeptical. Yeah. Skeptical person, especially with that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, cool. This is, yeah, I want that too. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. I'd love to experience that. Oh, really? They do worship. And it always happened in houses. It never was at Bethel. So like a lot of these glory clouds would happen like at a worship night within the students. That wasn't happening. Um, that's so what I. That be cool now. Let's start doing this in homes. Like we're, right now we're, I don't know when this is going to be posted, but we're, we're in the, the what do you call quarantine, this? Quarantine, shelter, yeah. safe shelter. Shelter in place. Shelter in place. Yeah. Shelter in wor- place. Yes. Shelter. <laughs> so everybody's having to worship in their own home. So wouldn't that be awesome? The glory clouds are showing up in people's homes. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, do it, Lord. Yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all about that. It's interesting you mentioned, Drew, that you're not a very skeptical person because it's just another testimony of Drew being Drew because Amy and I grew up being very skeptical of that stuff. Oh, I remember... Yeah. <laughs> even, even well, we were both skeptical, but I started to move in some things. Yeah. And John r- thought I was crazy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you were. <laughs> but, but in a very good way. <laughs> now you're, you're even surpassed <laughs> me, John. Well, <laughs> but Christy, during that season, you just so beautifully and humbly led the way in that stuff. 
for people. And um, we're still seeing so much Isn't of the fruit of that season, too. Yeah. Just, just stepping to be out. obedient. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. if this is the Lord, I want it. If mm-hmm. this is, the, is that kind of where you were? If this is the Lord, I want it? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, at first you're just like, yeah, what is that? You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a wonder. It's like, you're wondering what it is, you know? (laughs) And, uh, the first time I saw glory cloud was, I was at, um, see where it was. I was, I was at like, uh, my house that I was living with, with nine other guys. I lived with nine other guys my first year. So that's all. How was that? Growing up in a home as the only child, <laughs> but Drew, you know, Drew grew up an only child. Yeah, oh. so that was a huge oh, shock I to his system. Was. Yeah, Leave, that's <laughs> why. That's why I went fishing every day. I had to get away. <laughs> I had to get away. I'm an introverted person. Like on the scale of introvert, I am as far introverted as you can get. I think so. And then, so you not only were you sharing a house with nine guys. Yep. You're sharing a bedroom with people. Two guys, yeah. Two guys. So three guys in a bedroom. Yeah. yeah. And you used to have in your own place. Yep. Yeah, that would probably send me to the river God too. God was yeah. stretching you. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. A lot of growth. Um, so, was oh, first time I saw Glory Cloud. So we, you know, some one of my friends like, hey, there's a Glory Cloud at Bethel right now. And I'm like, awesome. So I immediately got on my motorcycle and I just drove over there. And it's just, you know you know, word spreads really fast. So it's just packed, (laughs) you know, with people. And, uh, I sneak into the sanctuary, you know, they're, you know, pushing people, you know, you got to go to overflow. I'm like, I'm not going to overflow. I'm just going to go in, you know? And, uh, yeah, there it was, (laughs) you know, right in the middle of the room. And then, um, then they just, I mean, that was the first one I think that happened. And then and then after that, it was just at like, the church. yeah, at the they church. And at- then all of a sudden it was just like every service. So yeah. you like, yeah, every service that started happening. And I was there, the one where it was like, you know, the one that you see on YouTube now, you know, where it just like explodes in the middle of the room, yeah. you know, I was at that one. So I love when, you know, people, the naysayers, you know, they talk uh-huh. about, you know, it came from the vents and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, were you there? Yeah. Because it came from I the I was, room. and it yeah. did not come from it the vents. Not, no, I, was, I was not there that night. I was, but there, I was there for one of them. And I, nights, I, yeah. what I found is I'm watching it and my brain's going, what? I just couldn't. Yeah. I could not make sense out of what I was experiencing. It was just really. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. But what I what happened is every time worship started, it grew. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if worship died down, it kind of died down. Yep. So the Lord was responds to worship. And yeah. It's, it's kind of like the incense filling yeah. the temple. I know? like that. He responds Doesn't to our worship in beautiful yeah. ways, and I just I believe that mm-hmm. with all my heart. I believe that. That's good. That's so cool. Yeah, I saw some pretty cool miracles during that time too. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't. You don't need a, m- a lot of faith in those times. You know, it's just like he's in the room, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and he's a healer. Yep. You know, so it's just like healing happens. Boom, in his presence, boom, right? boom, boom. You know, really, That's really so fun good. stuff. Easy to minister to people during those times. That's for sure. So what occurs to me as I'm watching you guys sit here is, um, so John, you watch Drew grow and you have partnered with him and this is a very strong generational blessing that's passed on mm-hmm. not just in your family mm-hmm. but this is a blessing to the body of christ and and drew has a son named wells and he's adorable and they're just talking about how he's banging on the piano yeah. and so i'm thinking now look at that there's a the third generation here of 
there's a worship anointing on that little guy already. Yeah. yeah. So what you know, isn't this powerful what the Lord does and how if, if people listen to John's story, you know, the enemy tried to take you out at an early age because mm-hmm. he hates worship. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, so here we are with this blessed family, protected family, yep. and you had to break through. But look how that's blessed generations after you. After generation after generation. Amen. We just know it to be true. And the yeah. choices we make yeah. to partner with God yeah. impacts all those generations yeah. after us for, for their destiny as well. Yeah. I think that's something exciting for our listeners, especially if you're a first-generation believer, or maybe you're the first generation to kind of say, there's more, I'm going to go after it. I'm not going to stop until I'm in the promised land, walking out my destiny. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really cool to sit here and just, you, I can, you can see it. You can see in the spirit over you guys, you see the family and generational mm-hmm. blessing that's been passed on. And it's not to limit any decisions, Drew, that you've made, but I, I, I know that you would say I'm standing on the shoulders of what, my father right. broke open for me, and, you're, and yeah. John, you would say, "I'm not done climbing." You know, we're gonna go right. to higher heights. But I think still running, man. That's yeah. right. <laughs> right. But and, and the father's choices make the son's choices more powerful, mm-hmm. or the or daughters, so, you know, yeah. mothers and sons, uh, whatever. The generate the generation prior, the older generations choices make the next generations choices more powerful, right. exponentially yeah. more powerful, and then the next generations exponentially more powerful. Well, and you don't have yeah. to run the same lap over and over again. Yep. Right. Drew didn't have to run the same lap that John did. He wasn't, and you weren't destined to. You weren't ever supposed to. And you never tried to. Which is great, too, because yeah. sometimes you see that where, especially when there's manipulation or control, um, mm-hmm. the younger generation will try to break free from that. Yep. And in doing it, we'll have to yeah. run that lap And what again. I love is it doesn't sound like, John, you ever felt like you had, like you had to make him do anything. No, I mean, actually, I thought for the longest time growing up, Drew loved to spend so much time in the woods fishing or hunting or just hiking and exploring nature, I thought for sure he was going to end up in the Department of Natural Resources <laughs> or Still US, you know, know. <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Forest Service or, or whatever. I, I really and that would have been fine. It would have been great. Because being genuine yeah. to who you were created to be, to yeah. the destiny and call in your life. Yep. But obviously this is the destiny and call yeah. in yep. your life. So. Very yep. clear, very clearly. Well, mm-hmm. and a worship anointing doesn't mean you have to be up front leading worship either. Right. Yep. So maybe nope. you can speak into that a little bit, that worship isn't just worship leading. It's, no. It's much no. more encompassing than that. Yep. And it's, it's actually one thing that Drew and I are, as best we can, encouraging the people in our congregations. I mean, you can spot the anointed worshipers, and it's so important that they're out there with the rest of the body worshiping because it is so true. We see it all the time. The atmosphere around that person who has that anointing for mm. worship it, it changes, mm-hmm. and at times it can even have this ripple effect mm-hmm. in the congregation. And you it, can, it is you, contagious. It's like a f- good virus. It's great. Yep. You can on. feel it, and you can see it. Yep. And as a worship leader, for me anyway, man, that is the time to just step back and, yep. and try not to get in the way to lead that thing because it's really leading itself but that is a challenging thing i think for a lot of worship leaders is when do you step back and how do you partner with Mm -hmm. shepherding what god's doing in the room without do you speak to that either one of you guys Mm -hmm. well i'll I'll start drew but i i think for me the um i think the ultimate worship experience actually is when the congregation or the people are leading it Mm. And in a sense, they're actually kind of leading you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
to pull in on yeah, I feel so much so much of heaven what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's like that is the that is the best when you can just kind of step I mean you're still playing a G chord so they have something to <laughs> sing along to. But other than that, man, you just step back and yep. watch the Holy Spirit work. There's oh. nothing better. It's easy. It's like I get paid for this to watch yeah. a group of people worship. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the that's I think the most important thing for a worship leader to learn is you like you said when to when to step back. Um I think the the person that does that the best is probably Bill Johnson. <laughs> Even though, you know, it's like is he a worship leader? Absolutely is. He knows exactly. Yeah, people I don't think people know that about yeah, him. Yeah. He and, led worship. Um, yeah. For a lot many years. And um I think his son too, Brian, knows how to do that better than anybody. And then it comes with the it's complete humility too. Mm-hmm. It's um not finding your identity as a performer. Because like hard. that's hard, you yeah. know, and uh, but that's something that I think as a worship leader you have to let go really early, is that you're not a performer, so uh, you're a facilitator, mm-hmm. which is completely different. That's good, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really good. And yeah. And so. when John, when you said I get paid for this, I get to watch people worship. I'd say from a worshipper's standpoint, I appreciate in a worship leader when you know how to usher me into the presence of yeah. God and just let it happen mm-hmm. but that's that's an amazing skill that both of you have and not every worship leader has that skill but i, I think you're, the body of christ is learning that more and more how to bring the congregation into the presence of the lord yeah and then let it happen mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and shepherd that a little bit yeah but it's more shepherding at that point isn't well, it and, um it's being not really probably no. to be okay to get it wrong sometimes too yeah have to <laughs> Absolutely. Yep, you have to get it wrong. Um, yeah, I agree. Which, okay. uh, you know, again, if you're in performance mode, you can't get something wrong. If you play the wrong note in performance, you fail. Mm-hmm. So if you're learning to facilitate and to shepherd, like you said, Christy, it's it, misstep isn't isn't a huge deal. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that wasn't the way to go. Let's just change course. Yep. Yeah. The the biggest thing I learned at, at Bethel because they are, I think the, I think the leaders at this more than any other worship movement I think of of how to facilitate the presence of God because it's it's their you know number one core value mm-hmm. is like we are here to facilitate the presence of God we're here to that's our number one value um, I, uh, I think what I was gonna say it, it basically what the biggest thing I've learned from there as in the worship culture is like, when the presence of God comes is that's more of what you're trying to steward more than anything, more than the music or anything like that. I mean, that is just the vehicle that they use, but it's like, it's, it's like when the presence comes, it's like, that's it. When that moment happens, um, just, you have to capitalize on that because Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, they talked about when I was there. It's like, how do you know when that's happening? Is when Bill is raising his hands. When Bill's worshiping. <laughs> when he's raising his hands, it's just like you better not move from that time, that point, or you, or you'll, he'll actually talk to you about it or something. You've I, got I don't, a great it's like, yeah, he's the barometer. If Bill's going like this, you better not, you better not move <laughs> on from that. Up. You're, nah. Stay on that. And you G know, cord. it's interesting because there's such, there's, you still have to have a really good skill. 
as a as a musician oh and absolutely as a singer. yeah that's i've been in places where people don't have skill and they're trying to lead worship and it's like oh it just it's kind of like grading on a chalkboard so that's very uncomfortable yeah. but yeah. so to have enough skill to lead but also know yeah. so that this is a very challenging balancing Rick. it's all like you're on a balancing beam here yeah. you know it's quite a dance isn't yeah. it yeah yeah i don't know if you guys know who rick pino is but mm, he yeah. talks about a lot about that it's like He's like, I don't have to think about my keyboard in front of me. I don't have to think about my guitar. I don't have to think about anything I'm playing. I don't have to think about the music. That's where you need to be at, I think, as a worship leader, to actually be able to lead people into the presence. Mm-hmm. It's like you you don't have to be thinking about it anymore. Because the skill level is at that point. Yeah, it's like don't think about it. And um, I, I think that's, that's um, you know, if you want to begin to lead people into – encounter with the presence of God, that's where you need to be in a musician standpoint. You need to just not so think about it. So if someone feels a calling to be a worship leader, practice your skill <laughs> yeah. and lead yourself into the presence of God yep. when you're alone or you got one or two people with you. What, yeah, what, I, th- I think you just said exactly the thing to do. It, yep. That's where you fill your well. Yeah. And when you get to that place where you are leading, where you're not thinking about the notes you're playing or thinking about the music playing the right chords or what you're going to say in between songs or whatever. <laughs> it's because you have a full well to draw from. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how do you keep your well full? Um, good question. Uh, for me, it's not like a regiment. Like I do this every day at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's relational with the Lord? It, it's, it's just relational mm-hmm. with the Lord. I mean, I can, my well can get full uh, going on a long walk mm. by myself just as easily as it can if I'm in the basement just playing my guitar and singing. But the, then the key thing is know what it feels like to have a full well. Yes. And know when you need to replenish and your well. And know when you need to replenish the That's well. That's a good That's word. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really good. That's a really yeah. good word. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about performance. I think when your well goes dry, and you still have to get up and worship lead. I think that's at that you point, have to, you have to perform. Because yeah. that's all you got. Yeah. How yeah. do you fill your well, Drew? Oh, there's a lot of ways I fill my well. Um, uh, the main way I fill my well is, um, I, I mean, I like getting outdoors. So anything like you that. You go fishing. I go fishing. <laughs> I, I try Jesus to loves being once. Fishing boats. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to go fishing once a week. Cool. So, um, when I heard this somewhere, um, uh, who went who went golfing every day? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Billy Graham went golfing Did every day. Really? Every I single didn't know day. That. Well done, Billy. He yeah. was in Minnesota a long time. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he was putting in the we basement. probably have some anointed golf courses around here. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, went golfing every day. So I don't think... neglect those things to fill your well because yeah. that's you need to be able to fill your soul, I yeah. think, that's a good... and, and replenish that because that's if you don't, word. you don't, I mean, you can burn out real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, Drew, you totally agree with me here, but anybody in ministry, you got to have a hobby. Yeah. you got to have a way to just unplug and do something different. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're unplugging from the Lord. No. In those times, oftentimes, 
sometimes you're as close to him in those things as when you're doing yeah. ministry. Just, yeah. Yeah. Maybe closer. Sometimes closer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would love the opinion of both of you. Again, we're heading into Easter. This is, this is, we're recording this on, in Holy Week. So yeah. here we are with two people who have worship lead in, a, in big congregations. And I, I was in a big congregation for 20 years as a, as a leader. And um, I know what Christmas and Easter are it. I mean, yep. it's the big times. So here we are heading into Easter, and it's not a big time in the same way. Yeah. And so how do you perceive that, and what's the Lord showing you about that? Uh, one thing, well, I definitely will miss seeing all the people. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's something kind of yeah. cool about that. Yeah, there's nothing. Obviously. Yeah. We want to make those big things because yep. it's about Jesus, right? But um, I'm enjoying the fact that there's not nearly as much pressure this year. I don't know if that makes any sense or not because right. we're going to go in Saturday, Drew and I, and we're going to record, I don't know if we can say this. Well, oh. it's coming out after okay. the fact. This will come so out after the right. So we're going to go in and we're going to record, <laughs> we're going to record the Easter service on Saturday morning, you know, then which will be available oh, Sunday morning. Or Saturday night even. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. To a large auditorium that normally seats 2,500 people it's gonna and be there empty. will be empty. Are you going to put like stickhead figures in the <laughs> somewhere? <laughs> but, you know, we've been doing this now for what, four weeks, four or five weeks? Four or five weeks, yeah. Into an empty room. Here's the thing I've noticed. I, uh, to me, it doesn't feel any different. <laughs> I'm still worshiping. Your audience, you got the audience of one. It's isn't not. Right? You know, yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't sometimes know if you feel that way Lord too, Drew. It's like, yeah, sometimes the Lord removes things because we don't even realize. Yeah. So He's probably teaching us much more than we realize. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. He is teaching us much yeah. more than we realize in this season. Not that we won't get all those things back, but we're never going to forget this Easter. Yeah. No. And for pastors and ministry people in ministry, it's such a busy time. You're not usually with your family. Yeah. You're tired. You're kind of stressed out just because there's a huge demand. These are the big. These are the high holidays of Christianity. And you're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it for so the you're Lord. Doing your best. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and and, there, and sometimes in some of the church, there's such a. I, I knew I felt this way growing up. Like there's such a pressure that this is when people get saved. This is like you have to do it now, or they're never gonna. And there's there can be a, an element of just kind of religion that just a little caps, striving. Comes yeah, in there. a lot of striving. Yeah. <laughs> That comes in and over people. So I actually feel like there's a gift of rest to pastors and leaders mm-hmm. in this season yeah. and kind of recalibrating what is what is essential, what is important, what does it mean yeah. to minister yeah. to the Lord, which is that's something at Bethel that, that I got a lot of that I hadn't heard elsewhere is that worship services, Sunday morning, it's, it's about ministry to the Lord mm-hmm. before it's ministry to the Christian. Mm-hmm. That was just a foreign concept because church was about... You know, that's how you got people that you bring your neighbor to church. You got to, you know, not that that's wrong. I'm not saying that, but it's well, ministry to the Lord. And you know what yeah. I think is First. beautiful is in this season where we have been forced to put everything down. We've been forced to lay everything down. We probably talk about it and dreamt about it before, but we don't have a choice now. Right. Everything's laid down. So I just declare that we are going to be very discerning about what we pick back up. Yeah. Yes. Because we don't Amen. have to pick it all back up. No. So the things that we pick up. We're going to take us to a new place we've never been before. It's going to be good. So, Drew, what do you think about this Easter being different? Or what's your... Um, Come up close to the... Yeah, I'll get close to the mic. So, um, for me, I I think it's a 
time of, um, it's like a time of repentance and that, you know, and, and sometimes we hear that word repentance and we think, you know, oh, I got to change because I'm sinning and stuff like that. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's, it's more of like changing the way we think about ministry, yeah, yeah. changing the way that we're doing things. Um, I think it's revealing a lot in the church right now. Uh, I think it's revealing a lot um, in those churches that have that performance spirit, you know, where it's like I'm putting on a show every Sunday because they're, they're not anymore. Yeah, they're not. And I think it's 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 um, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, it's like, oh, like you said, ministry to the Lord. This is actually truly what that is. Mm-hmm. It's, really that's what it feels like completely. Yeah. It's actually been really refreshing for me. You know, it's like it's like, oh, I don't really have to I don't have to do anything. I just get to minister to the Lord and I get to do it with, you know, my my team my friends that are around me too you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem it seems more of an offering than a than anything else which is just great that is great yeah that's great so i hope i hope that's kind of permeating in the in the rest of the church of america too you know well i'll tell you what how about if we have you pray that over why don't you just release that over the whole church in america around the world why stop in america yeah (laughs) sure 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 uh, so, Father, we just thank you um, for this season in the church. Um, Lord, you didn't cause this disease. You didn't. Um, but, man, you're going to use it. And uh, I just thank you for the season of of it at home, uh, of, of hiding almost in a way, of, um, of reflection on the season of repentance, changing the way that we think. And God, I just I just pray over um, the church right now uh, that there would be a new sense of of what we are actually called to do, and that is to minister to you. Um, you are our number one focus, Father. Um, you are the person that we love on. You're the person that we um, pour our adoration to God, and uh, we just pray right now that. Um, that the church would just get a sense of that, that recalibration towards that one end um, to give you glory, and and that's it. Uh, We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, Papa John, would you release a blessing over the generations and passing things on to the generations? I love that. Yeah. Heavenly Father, um, I just love um, the prayer that your son taught us when he's and he starts with our father you're our father um, and I also thank you God that you call people in certain seasons of their life to be mothers and fathers to the younger part of the generation and father I have so much hope for the younger part of the generation it's almost as if this season that we're going through with um, the, the challenges with this virus worldwide, it's almost like it's the younger part of the generation. It's their season to rise up mm-hmm. and, and do something new because, God, you're doing things new. You're shaking things up, and the things that have not our view are, are falling away. And so I just speak a blessing and I just release a blessing over the younger part of this generation that as they rise up and as they show the world 
what it means to love you with whole hearts and with passion and with fire. God, would you give them courage? Would you give them humility? And would you place in them, God, such a hunger that can only be satisfied by you? And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank Amen. you, John and Drew Russell. You guys are awesome. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Dare to Believe podcast. When I challenge each one of our listeners to dare to believe God for greater things in your life this season. Amen. And we'd also love it if you would subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating, as well as share this with friends, colleagues, whoever would be encouraged by this message. Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you for listening to our Dare to Believe podcast. We want to th- uh, thank you for listening to our Dare to Believe. Give, give a quiet. Okay. Thank you for listening. To the, uh,